Amen. It's good to see you today on uh, this memorial holiday, and certainly as that video we just watched, a reminder how grateful we are to live in a country where we can assemble together and worship the Lord, and we do so realizing that many uh, gave their life for the privilege that we enjoy today. Well, I'm not Pastor Matt. I'm, uh, <laughs> he said, if you are, it's been a hard week. <laughs> <coughs> And it may have been. Now, I, I, uh, I'm a stand-in today. I'm Steve Dighton, and uh, Pastor Matt asked me some time back if I'd preach this weekend. Uh, he and Jen are celebrating their 15th anniversary and uh, are gone today, and certainly we give them a round of applause. Uh, I know they got a sweet marriage, and we celebrate those 15 years with them. Uh, Mary and I celebrated 48 years last month, and uh, so... I always like to come and one-up the pastor, and it uh, <laughs> didn't take me long to do that today. <laughs> but uh, he did uh, invite me to come. I, I've had the privilege of working with Matt. I, I was the founding pastor at Lenexa Baptist Church. I uh, came to Kansas City, start that church about 30 years ago, served there 26. I've been retired now for three-plus years, and uh, the privilege of helping churches, one with church loans, and I uh, was able to get the loan uh, with Water's Edge Ministries here uh, for the loan for New City, and so been involved with uh, uh, with the pastor, and of course, and the elders, and uh, trying to get this loan, and uh, we're grateful to have it today, and, and so what's well, one of the ministries, I've also been doing um, intern uh, internships at past, uh, churches where pastors um, uh, have left, and, and so we're there kind of as a stopgap to get them to a new place where they can call a pastor. So we've been serving in Albuquerque, New Mexico for the past month. I'm going to be there for a while. But I had a window in here. Uh, we're going to be home two weeks in a row. And so we're honored to be here today. So if you find your Bible, open it to Proverbs chapter 3. It's going to be our preaching text. Matt gave me an assignment. He just didn't ask me to come. He said, hey, why don't you preach on uh, giving my resources? So that's the theme. And I know if you're in a small group and I've uh, been uh, doing your uh, studies this week, you're you're learning a verse that's appropriate to that. Uh, and, and truth of the matter is, I know sometimes there's a reluctance to preach on stewardship by some pastors, um, uh, primarily because it's not always well received. But truth of the matter is, when you read the Bible, you cannot get away from the fact that the Bible addresses it a lot. A matter of fact, uh, Jesus only spoke of one topic more than how we handle our possessions, our money, and that was the kingdom of God. Uh, in, in Luke's gospel, uh, one out of every seven verses speak of this matter of, of how we handle our possessions. And 11 of 38 parables that uh, Jesus taught, he was talking about this, uh, this topic as well. But I rem I'm reminded what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Conversely is true. So I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't just addressing this topic of stewardship and how we handle our possessions for the sake of the possessions. He's not in want. But he did it for this reason. It's always a matter of the heart. And God wants our heart. He's coming after our heart. He may be coming after your heart today, calling you to himself. But that's where it begins. And so I pray today as we look at this a text of scripture from the wisdom literature out of Proverbs chapter 3. We see this written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
by Solomon, who the Bible declares was the wisest man in all the world and also would become the wealthiest man as well. So if anybody had the privilege to talk about possessions, it is him. But truth of the matter is, he could speak these words because God breathed these words, and we have uh, the, the, the truth of scriptures contained therein. <clears throat> See if I've got any water down there, honey. There's, there's, did y'all ever see Three Amigos? Or have the canteen? <laughs> That's it. <clears throat> Maybe that'll help. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 is going to be our text today. So why don't you stand on and reading God's Word? And I'm going to read these two verses. We're going to just absolutely unpack these two verses together, see what God's Word has to say relative to giving my resources. Follow along as we read this wisdom literature. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Come on now, verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You may be seated. Father, I pray you'd bless me as I preach your word. Fill me with your spirit. I pray that those who've come today to worship you would hear from you more than hearing from me, I pray to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about giving my resources. And this is a, a good text to, to walk through because it talks about that very thing. And here's what I'm saying. First, giving my resources begins with a desire, as it says in this text, to honor God. Honor God. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions, with your resources with your substance some of your translations will say with your money so what does it look like in honoring god primarily it only can begin when you become a person of faith you see it doesn't matter how much resources you have it begins not because you've got money and are giving something to god it's what god indeed has done for you and it's belief in him Here's what the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And we trust, we believe with our heart in this unseen God. And indeed, that's where we always begin when we're talking about stewarding anything is who has our heart. John 6 says, and this is the work of God. This is the work of God to believe on him who he has sent. So it's not a, mat a matter of how much money can you give and God's going to receive more honor and glory because you give whatever amount of money you give. That's not it at all. He's after your heart. He wants your life. He wants your all. I recently re read that uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, of course he's the founder of Microsoft, had given get this, $58 billion to charity, primarily health and education foundations. $58 billion. My son said this to me not long ago. He, he, he asked me, he said, do you bend over and pick up a penny if you see it on the sidewalk? I said, well, absolutely, you know, I do. Most people may or may not. But he likened it. He said it would be like Bill Gates not picking up $40,000. You know? 
I don't know if Bill Gates would stoop to pick up 40000 or not, but that just gives you a scope of how much money the guy has. But he is a, seems to be a generous fellow. But all that he's given, while it's a benefit, and it's, it's certainly not a bad thing, it's not pleasing to God because we can only please God because we have a heart of belief. And he desires to have our heart. If you just back up a couple of verses in the same chapter, you're familiar with this. It says in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So it's not surprising, he says, after you trust the Lord with all of your heart, then here's what you do. You honor God with how God has blessed you. And I'm just telling you, if we're not living by faith and acting by faith, we're not going to give. You know why? Because your default position and my default position is selfishness. We are almost, uh, can't help ourselves by nature, we're selfish people. We're self-absorbed, we're self-righteous, we're, we're self-focused, and all of that collectively leads to selfishness. But a transformed heart is a giving heart, and it begins through faith in Jesus Christ. What's John 3, 16 say? For God so loved the world, what? He gave. And God is a giver. And when we become a part of his family, we're to be givers as well. So let me mention a couple of expectations if you want to honor God. It begins and has effect with your time. With your time. It affects your calendar. When God has your heart, Listen, he, he scopes out what you're to be doing and how you can effectively use your time. You know, we all get the same amount of time every week. We all get 168 hours. You oftentimes ask somebody to do something they don't want to do. You know what they'll usually say? Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, the truth of the matter is, he's got the same amount of time that you've got. <laughs> Nobody has more time than anybody else. It's what we choose to do with our time. That's the stewardship of our time and, and the bible says this in colossians and also in ephesians it tells us we're to redeem the time and then the last half of that verse says because the days are evil we're to buy back every opportunity that we can have because these are evil days in which we live we're to redeem the time not squander the time i wonder do you have a heart devoted to god that's manifest and you willingly saying, God, I'm yours. However, how I can please you by, by you leading me in the time and, and, and the season of my life, have your way. Time's fleeting. I'm telling you, you're a week older than you were last week when you were here. And I'm saying, you're going to turn around, you're going to be an old person. That's what happens. I'm just, I'm just I'm te- speaking from experience. I read this recently that uh, Andrew Carnegie, who was the richest man in the world at the time, just surpassing John D. Rockefeller, but, but he, he was obviously very wealthy. He came to the end of his days. He said he'd give $20 million if he could live five more years. $20 million. Nobody could oblige his offer because your time is fleeting and my time is fleeting. And God's Word says we're to buy back every opportunity. Redeem the time, the days are evil. Secondly, not only is it needful if we're giving God our resources to give him our time, we're to give our talent as well. We've all been given some gifts. 
either God-given talents, which is kind of natural talent, but I'm telling you, if it's good, God gave it to you. He's the giver of every good gift. But at the time of our conversion, the Bible says we also are given spiritual giftedness, not for our own edification, but because we need this to fit into the body of Christ, to function. Some are hands and some are ears and some are toes and some are feet and on and on and on. But collectively, we work together because we've been given this ability and this spiritual giftedness. Romans 12, 6 says, We all have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to us. And so whatever it is, whatever talent, whatever giftedness, we're to do all for the glory of God. That's what it says in Colossians 3, 23. Whether in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of God. Now let me move quickly. Not only your time, talent, but also, as this text says, we're to give our treasure, honor the Lord with our stuff, with our possessions, with our money, with our substance. So it's obvious we honor God, not through setting idle, not becoming indifferent in any way, but also not being tight-fisted and stingy, but with open hands and an open heart, being a giver. Being a giver. Are you a giver? Now, I can't tell you the countless times I've said this. You can really put people in two categories of life. You've got givers and you've got takers. Some people are always on the take. they always got their hand out. And that becomes their mode of life. They're just looking for somebody to give them something else. And then conversely, there's some others who are givers. And you're going to fit in one of those two camps. But here's what I know. The people who are giving are always the most happy people. You start to be a giver. You know what it's like. Is there anything sweeter than having been able to get your kids something on Christmas and they open that package, the gift you've given them, it brings you as much joy as they, as, as they have because there's joy in giving. Jesus said it this way, it is more blessed. That word makarios in the Greek, it means happy. He says you're going to be a whole lot happier if you're a giver than if you're a taker. We've sought hard to be givers. We've given sacrificially since God saved us. One thing comes to mind, we had an African couple at, uh, at Lenexa Baptist some years ago, and uh, she was from the Congo, he was from Tanzania. They had a small apartment, man, they had a bunch of kids in there. Some of them were their kids, and some were uh, nephews and nieces, and just collectively always people in and out and, and you know this life was hard it was and uh so mary and i on a couple of different christmases we we, we knew the kids ages and stuff and we were able to go get some gifts take over there to the apartment and surprise them walk in and be able to give those kids these gifts totally unsurprised i mean totally surprised unexpecting and 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 there was no greater joy than being able to do that some of you have made that a lifestyle habit, and you know exactly what I mean. There is just something sweet about giving. God saved me at 24 years of age. been in a hospital for an extended stay and uh, got my life right with God. And uh, Mary and I, uh, when I got out of the hospital on Sunday morning at a Baptist church in Aid, Oklahoma, which is our home, uh, walked down the aisle and gave my hand to the preacher joined the church and 
and, and started living my life for the Lord. I had never given a dollar to the church. I was totally indifferent forever. You know, I, I went to church when I was growing up as a little kid, but, you know, if you got nothing, you don't, can't give anything, but it really had never even been a conscious thought of me. But I did know this, God expects something for those who belong to him. And I wrote a tithe check out that day, and I prayed with the pastor, and we, they put us right over here on the front row, and they were going to present those who had made decisions that day, but they brought the offering plate around. And I was able to reach in my pocket and pull out a check that I'd written as a tithe to the Lord. That's been 44 years ago. And as God is my witness, the first check that I try to write is, is the check that I give to God. I'm telling you, if not, he'll get squeezed out of what you're trying to do. But give God his due. Give him yourself. Give him your heart. And when he has your heart, he will get your resources. Let me move quickly. Not only honor God with our uh, uh, resources, but secondly, giving our resources is an expected priority. Look what it says in verse 9. He says, and we're to honor the Lord with our substance, but also the first fruits of our increase. First fruits of our increase. He's talking about the priority here of our lives. So the proposition is you can honor God, but now the priority is he wants your best. The first fruits offering. You can trace this in the Bible all the way back to the book of Exodus in chapter 25. The Israelites were commanded to bring to the house of the Lord their first offerings, the fruit of the land. The first fruits were the first harvest. It was the new crop, and it was the produce that they had gathered, and they were to bring the first of it to God as a first part. And that's what God is teaching us here, and this is a principle. I want your first portion. I want your best. I want to have priority in your life. I don't want the mere leftovers. I don't want the mere tip of a hat. I want your heart. And when I have your heart, then indeed, I'll have your resources. I remember listening to talk radio. It's been several years ago now. This was like the Thanksgiving season. People were calling in about Thanksgiving uh, questions or, or what they were doing and at Thanksgiving and that kind of deal. But one lady calls in and... and, and uh, she, she asked the host there, uh, how long is a turkey good if it's been in the freezer? And uh, he said, well, I, you know, a, a pretty good while. And she said, well, I've got one that's about two and a half years old. It's, uh, it's about, had about two and a half years. What would you think about eating it? And he said, well, I don't know. I, I, I probably wouldn't. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's the best idea. To which she responded and said, okay. I'll just take it to the church then. So, uh, okay. That's a nice gift, isn't it? Here, I don't want anything to do with this, so I'll give it to those people up at the church. You know, it's nothing like blessing the congregation with the salmonella poisoning at Thanksgiving. Huh? Never good. Do you realize God addressed this in the Bible? The very question she asked. It's found in Malachi, the, the last book in the Old Testament, in chapter 1, because listen to what it says. God says, don't bring me these bad offerings. He said, I don't want your lame, sick, or blind animals as a sacrifice. 
And then he asked the question, would you give that to your governor? Would he be pleased with that? Do you not understand? God declares, I want my name to be great among the nations, but you're profaning my name with these despicable offerings. Listen, throughout the Bible, uh, the first commandment that's listed in the Bible, it, we are to have no other gods before him because God wants the priority. He wants our best. He wants the first and foremost of our lives. And all of that comes from a devoted heart. I wonder, would you pray this prayer in your heart today with the psalmist who said, Lord, give to me an undivided heart that I might fear your name and I will praise you with all of my heart and glorify your name forever. And this morning we're talking about giving our resources and how that's God-honoring, how it's glorifying to God. But secondly, it's an expected priority for God yearns us to honor him by being a giver. I hope you're a giver. I hope you're getting in on God's economy. You know, I did several capital campaigns at Lenexa Baptist over the years. We, not unlike uh, a new city, went several years without a building and just temporary locations. We moved around about seven times before we finally got a little abandoned office building over on Borgade before we moved to the current location. But all of that to say, each one of those required doing capital campaigns and, and trying to get people to pledge money so we could actually purchase and, and, and uh, eventually finance a building. And, and so I've got a lot of experience in that. And, and, and it's been a blessing to, to see people respond. But one of the things that I, I was going to share w was probably the, the greatest memory of giving in all of those five capital campaigns. And I tell you, we had some good gifts. We had, we had some uh, 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 you know, tens of thousands of dollars given by people, no, no doubt. But I, we we'd had our last banquet before we knew, moved to the new, new sanctuary, which would have been 2009. But I, I got a call from a lady who's probably in her mid-70s at the time, and she wanted to come and see me. And uh, so I said, sure, you know. So she came to the church, and she walked in my office, and she's, she's carrying a brown paper sack. I thought, well, this is odd, you know. She's bringing her lunch, or what, what's, what's going on? And, and, of course, I knew her, and I said, hey, Charlene. And she said, hey, I, I just want to visit with you. Uh, she said, I didn't come to the, the banquet that we had. She said, I, I didn't really have any money to give. And I, I said, well, it wasn't about you giving money. It was just a time of fellowship, and we received the pledges and stuff. But she said, well, I just didn't feel good about it. And she said, but the reason I'm here today is because even though I have a, you know, I'm not employed, I, I got a, a job cleaning up a cemetery. And uh, she said, and she grabbed this, pla this paper bag, and she said, I, I've got $222 in here, and I want to give it to the church as my, as my offering to build this new building. And I said, man, that's, that, that's the kind of offering that pleases God. You know, sometimes we think, well, we can't give as much as we ought to or somebody else can, but I'm telling you that the, the offering that Jesus most praised, as you well know, was the widow's mite offering by a lady who had little of, of anything, and she gave what she had, and she gave that widow's mite. And you know, I will tell you, sometimes we look for every reluctance to not give, but I'm telling you, God is honored with what we have if we'll be faithful in what he's entrusted to us. I quit with this. When we're giving our resources, 
It'll be honoring to God. We know this is an expected priority. But thirdly, here's the promise. It will be a blessing to you as well. Verse 10, we, we read that just a moment ago. What did it say? And so now your vats, your presses, are going to burst out with new wine. He, he says, look, here's what's going to happen to you. There's going to be a blessing that's attached to your faithfulness in giving. And, 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 and that's the promise. Uh, it, it, we call this in the Bible the, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of echoes, the law of likeness. And Jesus said this, even talking specifically about money, he says, give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Whatever measure you give is the measure you'll receive back. Man, I've said this oftentimes. You can break all the laws in the Bible, but you can't break this one. Because here's what Jesus promised. Whatever you give away is what you're going to one day get back. One of the verses that uh, has been a priority verse, uh, and Pastor Matt told me this, that you guys have been considering this week, is 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Let's put it up there on the screen because it really speaks to this principle that we're talking about, this promise from God's Word. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let everyone give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Sow a little, you get a little. Sow a lot, you get a lot, and that's the principle. Here's what God's Word says in Galatians 6 about this same thing. It says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he also will reap. The one who sows to the flesh will reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap life everlasting. Oh, listen, you, you, you need to understand this principle. You need to live by it because it's, it's got so many facets of application. The Bible says it'll be true in your speech. It says a soft answer will turn away wrath, but grievous words will stir up anger because you get back what you give away. The Bible says not only is it true in speech, it's true with how you interact with people. In Proverbs 12, listen to what it says. The deeds of a man's hand will be returned to him. The deeds of a woman's hand will be returned to her. Whatever you do is going to be somehow given back to you to some degree. Jesus said the same way about you judging people. I, I don't think I'm speaking to anybody who's overly judgmental, but here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, lest you also be judged. For whatever measure you judge, that same measure will be measured back to you as well we see this principle in the old testament in a graphic way it's in judges chapter 1 verse 7 here's what's going on the nation of israel has has overcome this rival king whose name was adoni bezek and uh we read uh that he had captured that they had captured him but he had been guilty of, uh, of cutting the thumbs and uh, the big toes off of the, the rival kings that he, had, uh, that he had captured over the years. And here's what it says in verse 7. Adoni Bezik said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done now, God has repaid me. 
And they took him off to Jerusalem, and there he died. You know what he's saying in his last breath? You can't get around this principle. This is what I did, and now here's what I'm getting back given to me as well. You see, that truth is true. It's true in your finances. It's true in your speech. It's true how you treat people. It's true how you judge others. So here's what I'm saying today, just a couple of takeaways. Here's what I'm asking you. Would you let this be your mission? Even with the forethought of that being true, it's going to be relative to how you treat people. How do you want to be treated? We call it the golden rule. Doing to others, you have them do unto you. But I'm telling you today, the reason you need to do good, not only for the good of other people, but it'll do good for you as well. Treat other people. Speak good words to them. Let, let's be distributors of grace. <laughs> Let, let's be kind. I, I'm telling you, we, 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 we need to give the kindness away every day, and we'll get it back eventually. Let's be quick to forgive. Let's not hold a grudge. You say, yeah, you don't know what happened to me. And you're right, I don't. But I know this. Jesus said, if you want to be forgiving, forgiven, you got to be forgiving. I'm asking you, go the second mile, be a forgiver. And even as it applies to your resources, seek to honor God. Limited resources in any church will always result in limited impact. This church is making an impact. It's making an impact in your life. Let's be givers to the glory of God because he has our heart. Let's make him our priority. And then we can expect that as we give, he'll return unto us. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you for the privilege of preaching in this wonderful church today. Thank you for the faithfulness of those who have come to church this holiday weekend when most of the world could care less, but we care. Thank you for the love that we know in Christ our Lord. And I would pray today that we would take serious the admonition from your word. We realize that anything that we have that's of any account, you've blessed us because every good gift comes from you. So Lord, I pray we'd be proper stewards or moreover, it's required than stewards that want to be found faithful. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.